Hello and welcome to Secrets of Organ Playing Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping you become a better organist. We're your hosts, Vidas Pinkavichus and Usham Motuzaita Pinkavichin. We have over 25 years of experience of playing the organ. And we've been teaching thousands of organists online from 89 countries since 2011. So now let's jump in and get started with the podcast for today. We hope you'll enjoy it. I'm here with Krista Miller, uh, who is uh, the director of music and cathedral organist at Houston Cove Cathedral of the Sacred Heart, where she, she chaired the organ committee for Martin Paz's Opus 19 pipe organ. She oversees the Celebrity Organ Series and the First Friday University of Houston Series and leads a growing cathedral music organization with the Scola Cantorum in high demand for large-scale festive liturgies, including those prepared for the National Catholic Education Association, the National Winter Conference of the University of St. Thomas St. Basil School of Gregorian Chant, uh, Church Music Association of America, various arch- archdiocesan offices, and for Archbishop Joseph A. Fiorenza's ceremonial receipt of the pallium from Pope Benedict XVI in Rome in 2005. Um, we've been chatting uh, with Krista uh, because she was a guest on our podcast three years ago, and I just uh, a few weeks ago received nice comment uh, from her and decided to invite uh, Krista back uh, to be a guest again. And this time uh, t- we could talk about uh, her musical life during quarantine because this is a, such a global theme t- today. So thank you so much, Krista, and um, welcome to the show. Thank you, Venus. It's nice to see you again, and thank you for having me on again. Yes, uh, a lot has changed, right, uh, since we met. Uh, Of course, you travel the world with your recitals. Uh, You lead very, very active musical life uh, uh, at at the cathedral. And of course, um, um, uh, it has changed many things because of the COVID-19, right? Mm -hmm. So... Um, can you tell us a little bit how are you adjusting to the new environment when you can't meet people physically only online perhaps maybe your your um, musical activities are limited this way too you have something else to do maybe online we would be very interested interested to know for our global audience I, I think many people are in this situation as well so um, let's talk about that for starters. Okay. Uh, so, Krista, I... uh, for starters, yes, uh, um, how are you adjusting to this new environment? Uh, I feel in some ways everything has changed, um, of course, for everyone, but in some ways um, everything, well, many things are the same. So for my case, um, we're still continuing at the church to do Um, a lot of live streaming um, masses. Um, I feel like the need for high quality music 
at mass and the need to speak to a lot of different communities and the music that we make, that is still the same. Um, what I think is, uh, but the medium has changed so much. So I, I feel in some ways, um, it, of course, we have a number of musicians that come to us normally on a, on a regular basis and sing and make music with us and then a number of masses in different languages as well. And so now we're very streamlined into one mass a week um, and trying to represent many different messages, say different things in this one mass. Um, I have uh, mainly just my full-time staff, so two singers um, are, are working with me regularly. Um, and so I feel like we have this big responsibility uh, to not only to reach different people, but we also know of musicians who aren't working or you know who are not able to make music in public. And so it seems like um, whatever we program um, on a week-to-week -week basis, it just feels like it really needs to be even more excellent than ever. You know, um, I've written a few things to our cathedral um, congregation talking about the experience of, for example, accompanying a hymn during a live stream that one person is standing in front of them singing. And I feel like we are doing this on behalf of all of them. You know, I've asked them, you know, please to participate at home with their families and their domestic church. But, um, and we've talked a little bit about the theology of the organ. You know that uh, with the many pipes, uh, there's a theology around the symbolism of many people. Um, our organ is situated high in the church, so, you know, it's uh, some theology of bridging the gap between heaven and earth, but, you know, especially the pipes that, you know, I've talked about how we have 5,499 pipes, and they're all of different shapes and sizes and sounds, and so that's supposed to sort of stand in for the congregation. So, you know, I just feel in some ways this enormous responsibility. Um, how am I adjusting? I, I feel like some, some days maybe I, I, I meet the task, and then honestly some other days um, not so much. You know, like to go back and listen to your own recordings that were live, um, you know, sometimes wish that things went better than they did, or, you know, we, we did not have a broadcast ministry prior to this, and so, um, uh, and we're a large cathedral, and we look really beautiful, so I think, like, the expectations are really high, like, it should be as high a broadcast as what people see on the news, and we just, you know, um, uh, our assistant choir director, who's been really super helpful, um, he's the person cantering on, on camera most of the time, you know, he's running the live stream also from an iPad. So, you know, I mean, we have a lot of intellectual firepower, but we just, we don't, we've never had funding for a broadcast um, ministry. So, you know, those, those things, that is an adjustment. And I know everyone is having right now, like, um, many challenges, right? So, and, and in some ways, on some days, you can look at that and say, this is really fun. I mean, as organists, we are used to solving problems, right? Like, that's kind of our training. And that's what you do day to day in your own practice is that you're solving problems, you're being tenacious, you're saying, okay, this was fixed yesterday and today it's not working, so I have to revisit this. So in some ways, you know, on a macro level now, life is exactly like what we face in the practice room. Um, so, you know, as far as adjustment, I don't, I don't know if anyone could honestly say they're 100% adjusted, you know. So I think maybe we're perhaps we're also all learning patience. I'm not too good at patience, Peter. <laughs> mm -hmm.
So, Krista, uh, just yesterday, I think I saw on the news in Lithuania um, uh, a story about um, how Lithuanian churches are adjusting and also broadcasting and suddenly discovering entirely new audiences around the country. For example, yes. a small, small village church uh, which would house maybe 100, 300 people on Sundays uh, at the most, right? They, they look at the stats of their live live streams. They see, you know, like 6,000 people have viewed the mass and they discovered this as something really great. They can expand their reach suddenly, yes. right? Um, besides other challenges, technological challenges, quality challenges, uh, maybe data challenges. Yes, sometimes if you are in the middle of the woods, uh, the, 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 the connection is not good. But other than that, uh, a very obvious benefit is increased reach. Yes. So those of us who have been doing online work uh, in the organ world, right? Before the crisis, before the global pandemics, we knew that expanding our audience is is the way to go into the 21st century. Yes, but the majority of organists <laughs> have not yet discovered this online presence fully yet. So I think <laughs> this pandemic, on one way, is is really um, facilitating this this uh, this progress in, in in many ways right i i agree with you i i think it's one of the reasons that i reached out to you a couple of days ago i was thinking about how you know this isn't i don't know how long you've had secrets of organ playing podcast is it around 10 years um just uh, i think five years five years now okay uh, and i was thinking about how you know people like you who who have delved into um really global internet entrepreneurship um, really can maybe help everyone else at this time. Um, I, I definitely think, um, you know, the one positive that comes out of this situation uh, is that there are, there are opportunities. You mentioned a larger reach than one's own village. Um, this is something that uh, yeah, I've really been thinking about. I mean, we, um, so I've run a Facebook page for the Cathedral uh, Music for some time, about mm -hmm. 10 years. And I know from the following there, you know, when we post about different concerts or things, I know that there, you know, is a global interest, um, particularly in our instrument. Um, but one uh, comment you just made about facilitating uh, proceeding to the 21st century, um, this is something that I have noticed with our church leadership that, you know, of course the pandemic has kind of forced the issue. Um, mm. We must do something different and we must pay attention to how we can reach people now um, since the old ways are not possible. So I think, um, yeah, I definitely think uh, this has the opportunity for broader reach. And, and perhaps, you know, this is, this is something as a cathedral that we, we did see um, in our in-person attendance. I mean, there, there's a, we're uh, in the center of Houston. Houston's a very spread out city. I could from, I, I live in the center as well. So I could draw, I could, you know, in a radius of a circle, I could drive anywhere now in an hour and still be in Houston. 
in a, almost any direction. So um, because we're centrally located, we have people that come to mass and religious services, but we also have a community of people who may belong to another church or no church at all, um, who uh, regularly come to the cathedral for music events um, and, and community. So, um, yeah, so I just think this is a real opportunity to expand that radius of the circle. And it's, it has been interesting to see other people discover that and get on board and understand it in a new way. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, Krista, there is another uh, side of the, of the coin here for organist concert life, right? Not only liturgical playing, but concert. Life events have been, you know, uh, postponed on hold right now right for everyone uh, mm -hmm. unless i hear that sweden for example doesn't have a quarantine so i hope <laughs> some people might uh, go to to play concert there um, some other countries like belarus for example <laughs> they don't have quarantine and their football um, championship is still soccer basically uh, no way <laughs> it's still going on it's it's crazy you know <laughs> their president is saying no no there is no pandemic everything is fine <laughs> so <Wow>. it's really <laughs> funny <laughs> but uh, other than that most of the countries really have closed and <laughs> organists in in across the board have uh, discovered that they are no longer <laughs> they can't no, they can't uh, uh, travel the world with their concerts right uh, I, you right. know you are represented by east west organist right uh, yes. with this wonderful uh, agency for organists concerts organists and um, i'm wondering also how that has impacted uh, your concert life maybe you have um, discovered some new opportunities where where you might have overlooked previously it's interesting can you talk a little bit about that too i think um i think we're very in the early stages of, of this i mean i know some friends who have begun to live stream or you know to post mini concerts every day i think um i think the prospect of a mini concert if you just put up one piece or maybe uh uh uh, something short that people can digest quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a great opportunity. Um, I had a really nice uh, concert experience actually uh, a week ago, last Monday. I was actually supposed to travel to New York City the day after Easter. Um, I've only done this a handful of times in my life where I've accepted a gig the week after Easter. <laughs> and it's always with a lot of, you know, mental fortitude in, in preparing time just for the fatigue that that you know that you know that you'll walk into preparing the concert situation for so i had i was supposed to travel the day after easter and then perform the next day um which is also a compressed schedule for me so during the week before easter of course we were completely um uh rehashing our plans um and creating a new plan and then at that same time um the, the venue reached out to me and asked me if i would just be willing to record um, the recital. Um, and so I did this the day after Easter, so a day earlier than I would have performed. Um, and I think um, it actually was a very nice experience. I mean, I feel like they, um, uh, I felt like the organizers were very pleased, like that they could also go forward. I think that there was a pride for them that they 
uh, did not have to cancel. You know, music went on. Um, it was nice to be able to um, use that umbrella to help people experience the posse. I didn't get to um, hear the venues organ and I had been looking forward to that. Um, but it was, it was nice to kind of share and just to kind of have some camaraderie between Houston and New York City. I think, you know, perhaps this is a nice, um, you know, this is also a nice way to, um, for cities to band together and to virtually travel, so. Yes, um, you know, everyone now has uh, probably like a video studio in their pocket with the smartphone, right? And everyone yeah. had for a number of years uh, with this new technology, just uh, not everyone had discovered that it's re it was really possible to use it in our daily lives in a way that could uh, uh, expand our reach and uh, uh, grow our um, online presence in a professional way and so on. But uh, uh, with this uh, global pandemic, I see a lot of musicians, not only organists, of course, live streaming constantly and and uh, and uh, just uploading videos if, if they don't, they're not uh, live streaming. Basically, their online online reach has you know expanded enormously, and um, this is a very very good thing. Uh, but the other side of this coin is that if you want to play, you can play. If you want to sing, you can sing. Right? Nobody is stopping anymore, except. Uh, will there be people paying for, for, for this video or live stream, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, in some ways it's a really exciting time because there's so, you know, there are all these opportunities. I think that that's definitely a question. You know, I mean, I feel like, you know, we're, you and I are speaking about this at the, at the very beginning, you know, when um, there are just still so many unknowns. Um, yeah, that's a question I have as well. It's like, you know, how, how will people, um, will it be difficult to make a living this way? Um, you know, one sort of optimistically hopes that if you provide a service, um, uh, on one hand, people probably understand the value of music and community music and artists look maybe perhaps more valuable to society than we did when we could take that for granted. Um, but yes, but I, on the other hand, I think like many people are facing financial challenges now because it's not just us that um, are not working, you know, it's sort of everyone. Um, mm -hmm. So it is one hopes that if you optimistically put yourself out there and provide a good service that the good will come back to you. So I guess we just have to hold on to our optimism. Um, I wanted to comment one thing that you said about the smartphone in your pocket. I think one good thing for us as artists um, or something I found in myself is that um, in some ways having to put these things out there and, and, and knowing that there is uh, not as much art in people's lives now, I think it, for me personally, it's sort of turned off the inner critic a little bit more. Like I find that I have, I have published things that in the past, in the very recent past, I would have thought, oh, this isn't really good enough. I don't want to put this mm -hmm. out there. But I feel like the... You know, the tolerance for your own imperfection has, um, you know, perhaps gone up. Um, in the recording that I did for this recital, um, I actually chose not to use um, video. I chose to use a really good audio system yes. instead, thinking that um, because there are so many things, well, number one, I knew I could do it more quickly. You know, the day after Easter, and since we are, um, it's very difficult uh, 
in our cathedral because of urban noise to even now uh, to make a recording during the day. It's the first time ever that I've made a recording in only you know, quickly one day um, and, and during the day. Um, but because of reduced security in general, I didn't want to be in the, in the church overnight like I normally would do for a recording. So, um, so anyway, I just chose to use audio um, so that, you know, I feel like I, many people are spending more time on Zoom now and things like that. And I thought, well, sometimes it's nice to have music that you can put on, but you can continue to go about your other work. You know, you can do work or you can um, be making breakfast or have lunch or whatever. So, mm -hmm. so I think I, I don't think that we, how do I want to say this? I think that we need to also consider that audio, you know, is a simple way, sometimes faster and a little bit easier for people yeah. to. And for music, of course, audio is essential. And um, a lot of times it's even sufficient, right? If it's a really good audio, as you say, people can do in the background other things and not necessarily look at the screen. I, for example, really love uh, listen to Spotify, for example, uh, yes. in my ear or in my headphones or just on the on the speakers, you know, uh, and doing really completely something different, uh, you know, other tasks, but Spotify is on, uh, like, or YouTube, YouTube also have music um, ability, you can stream music now without video, um, so that's good, because you don't have to look at the screen, right, um, and, uh, and sometimes audio, it's all that, that's needed, you can put um, uh, a really good a photo on top of this audio and you have the video and you can upload to various online channels this way um, uh, you know talking about the monetization of our work right now in in this changing environment we have to observe that um, people are uncertain about the future right and this uncertainty limits their spending probably right they want to yes. save more than to spend because they don't know how much um, uh, their savings can last right uh, for example yes. they don't know if if the government will support them for example uh, in lithuanian cultural um, environment uh, musicians artists sometimes uh, get uh, support from the government and uh, but but in this pandemic situation, this money has not yet reached us in Lithuania. So maybe in a few months it will reach. So people, you know, will still have to eat something uh, without being able to earn that money. And therefore they have to really uh, save whatever they can. Um, in Germany, for example, I've heard that some musicians have already received 5,000 euros in their bank account from the government. Mm. You know, if you are if you are um, independent musician and, and you're, you're, you, you're making or you were making a living from life appearances and you're no longer able to do that, your government in Germany supports you this way. 5,000 euros, right? Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not not every country has has been able to do this so far so people have to think about other ways multiple income streams maybe passive revenue streams uh, these things uh, things like 
I've been doing this for seven years now, this online earning, um, not from podcast. Yes. Podcast is um, just the channel for, for my ideas uh, for outreach. But monetization comes from different other channels, you know. So I hope people and the organists especially will start to discover those new ways of monetizing their work online. What do you think are, um, since you've been doing this longer, I mean, I think these are questions that a lot of us are asking right now. So what's your best um, trick of the trade at this point for, um, for this process of monetizing um, uh, what we offer? I can do, I can say what I'm doing. For example, uh, right now I cannot go to church, right? Uh, physically because our church is connected to university and university is shut down. And um, now happily, uh, I have Hauptwerk, this virtual organ software at home. It, um, I ordered it, uh, I think, in February, just before the pandemic really started hitting uh, Europe. And uh, the my keyboards and MIDI pedal board arrived in the middle of, I think, um, I think uh, March. So, so in the middle of this pandemic, I received. <laughs> packages and parcels from post. I put them in a storage uh, facility just to make sure they pass quarantine for a few weeks and then unpack yes. and then uh, plug them and set it up. I have three keyboards now and a MIDI pedal board. So with OSHA, my wife, we happily are um, every day practicing and recording our, you know, organ music, solo organ music and duets, <laughs> sometimes even collaborations with other people from other continents, like with this uh, wonderful uh, organist and our friend James Flores from Australia. We record organ trios. You know this... Uh, I'm seeing your video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very cool. Trio. Trio sonatas. Yes, you're supposed to be playing them alone with your hands and feet, but we did it just for fun. Uh, three people. <laughs> Last, much faster learning curve. <laughs> yes, but a lot of a lot of work for editors uh, to edit yes. uh, to put everything together. But yeah. that's that's really fun. Uh, I I can tell you, uh, I can tell you that I use this time to discover other revenue streams that I haven't discovered previously, you know, uh, things like growing my YouTube channel even more. I had uh, been uh, posting and uploading on YouTube for, uh, for 11 years, since 2009. And, um, and in 2015, I gained the status of partner. You know, if you have uh, 1,000 subscribers now, you can get invited to be a partner. And partners can uh, have a possibility to put ads on, on their videos and monetize. You know, if people watch that the ads, you get, um, you know, some percentage of that revenue. 55% actually goes to oh, the wow. authors of that video. And 45% goes to YouTube. <laughs> yes. So uh, it's very little amount from each um, 
uh, view of, of each video. But you know, uh, YouTube is a massive engine, uh, second largest search engine in the world, second to the Google. And of course, oh, Google, wow. Google owns YouTube. So together with YouTube and Google, you expand your reach. So what, uh, what I've been doing is um, for, for five years, yeah, of almost five years, I've been earning a little bit of ad revenue from YouTube. You know, like $1 a month at first, $2, $5, and then $10, $15. And um, now, since I'm uploading every day something new, one piece a day, or two pieces a day, whatever, um, I discovering that the number of views is expanding and uh, basically exponentially. Every week, every month, basically it doubles. And my revenue, revenue isn't doubling actually, which is actually understandable because global situation with the advertisement industry is also um, uh, decreasing. Uh, businesses are no longer <laughs> investing money into ads, right? They are also saving and uh, optimizing their businesses for, for the harder times. But, but my revenue isn't shrinking on YouTube because yeah. my viewers, uh, viewership and subscribers are growing very fast. Uh, which is a good thing. So if this wasn't a pandemic situation, I think my revenue would, would really be um, skyrocketing right now. But, but in this crisis, it, it, it's, it grows, but, but slowly, you know? So that's what I advise for people who are interested in into finding other revenue streams. Just keep uploading to YouTube, yes? Mm -hmm. uh, I see a lot of people are doing Facebook live streams. Why not do uh, YouTube live streams? YouTube also has live streaming possibilities for, for uh, um, I think, approved channels. Even, even though if, if a new channel hasn't been approved for live streaming, you can still upload, you know, and, and mm -hmm. share the same video you can share on Facebook, Facebook groups for organists all over the, the place. And uh, therefore, you drive traffic uh, to your, to your, you know, YouTube channel. Facebook doesn't pay anything. Yes, um, mm -hmm. only, 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 <laughs> only YouTube does a little bit. Yes, other revenue stream is Spotify. This is just mm -hmm. for audio. If you have a nice video, you can you can upload just the audio from that video to to Spotify but not directly uh, there is no self-service on uh, on Spotify you have to go through distributors to uh, mm. third parties and they have different um, rules I have uh, been dealing with three companies uh, and not necessarily very successfully because the moment my revenues on Spotify have started to grow really significantly in December mm -hmm. last December uh, one company have has shut me down <laughs> and suddenly I they say uh, go uh, go find another distributor because all they care is about new users not not uh, maintaining the old uh, you know uh, users mm -hmm. who are growing uh, mm -hmm. so 
that was my relationship with previous but now uh, i found that that uh, the channel which which uh, pays me some percentage of of the of the revenue from spotify and they're happy when i grow and i'm happy too you know it's a win-win situation Mm, so this is a good thing too although a little bit tricky with spotify for classical music because mm, uh, basically um, formatting your tracks with titles and composers names and artist names and um, track names is a little bit confusing but if you're really careful and follow the rules they, they have guidelines i think you can you can make even more than from youtube on spotify mm. um what else uh, what about patreon you know this platform which which where you can uh, uh, have people donate to you uh, subscribe to your uh, patreon page and and uh, i started doing this uh, for a month now it's a small uh, slow growth you know i have just a few subscribers but i i offer them you know like uh, a, like uh, early access to my videos uh, before oh. people go to see them on youtube or on facebook or anywhere else first of all i i share them with my patreon supporters you know this is ex exclusively exclusively exclusivity is really nice for them they get to see them first what uh, i can offer other benefits like my cds for example if if they pay a certain amount uh, where where the postage and 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 uh, mailing is is um, is still possible you know uh, mm -hmm. those three things spotify youtube and um, and Patreon are, I think, uh, the easiest way to do for everyone. Um, as a, again, I, uh, as I say, people are not necessarily very eager to open their wallets now, uh, uh -huh. but you have to gain trust very slowly and uh, prepare for a better situation. Imagine if we, uh, as, as a community, global community, suddenly came out of this uh, pandemic uh, uh, happily, you know, and um, suddenly economy is starting to grow, right? And you are ready. Your YouTube channel is, it has reached 1,000 subscribers. You are approved for partnership status, right? Your Patreon supporters have started to grow. Your Spotify tracks already are exploding, you know? So after this pandemic, you would be in a really great shape. I think this this is opportunity right now for us because we now have mm, much more time to do these things than before. We don't travel, we work from home most of the time. You know, it saves time. Uh, although sometimes this online work uh, really is um, very time consuming to get used to these tools. Uh, yes, um, and uh, at least at first. But, but after a few months you get used to it maybe you can start working on your goals too you yes I, I really uh, during this time the last five weeks i've really uh, gotten an understanding of um how uh these media can really be a full-time job for someone yeah. so yes. Yes. it's one thing that we've been doing or you know you mentioned our facebook pages um 
uh, we've had, or I've had a, a, a church YouTube channel, Houston Co-Cathedral Music, um, sometime. Uh, we also have um, audio of ours on SoundCloud. It's Co-Cathedral Music there. Um, and, you know, we've had these sort of passive um, repositories for our work, but, you know, there's a huge backlog. I had, literally have about four or five years of choral audio um, backlog that we record every week live in, in mass um, and for both our professional choir and our, um, our volunteer group. Um, and our children's choirs. So, um, as you mentioned, you know, it's just very time consuming. So unlike, we're a fairly small staff at the Co-Cathedral, so we don't have a, a technology person who does that every week. So it's very easy for me to record, um, but but as in terms of audio editing and things, I've learned a lot in the last five weeks um, and tried to put things on those channels. I'm actually glad to hear that you're, you're saying these things because I think, okay, well, you know, perhaps, we're taking some steps in the right direction um, with uh, uh, YouTube and um, SoundCloud. I'll check out these other um, things as well. But yes, it's very time consuming. I mean, I I, um, I know that um, in the <laughs> because we have to do time cards at church. I know that the week the week of Easter it was over an eighty hour week because I felt like okay, I'm I'm doing you know many of our 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 clients, as I call them, you know, like people from church and also the community folks that I mentioned, um, many of them are accustomed during Holy Week to come and hear a number of different programs. And so just preparing some very simple, I think for Good Friday, I put up about two hours of audio, which is less than what we would normally do live. But I mean, you know, just the learning curve and very simple edits, like cutting off crying babies at the beginning and end, you know, very simple things like that. It's very time consuming. And even now, you know, five weeks later, I'm a little bit faster, but um, yeah, it's, I can see how it could easily be a full-time job um, to, to do those things. So mm -hmm. you know, trying to figure out, you mentioned back to your question at the beginning about adjusting, you know, just trying to figure out how to, how to do these things and make them sustainable um, to get your get your product out, and then also, um, but also to still have time to adequately practice and and handle the other responsibilities. Can I say so. something about adjusting yeah. too? Uh, for example, uh, I know that in the evening I'm not very creative. I'm tired, you know, uh, or mm -hmm. in, even in the afternoon too. After a good lunch, <laughs> I no longer function. Yeah. You know, I have to take a break at least, take a quick nap. Or, or just close my eyes. But in the morning, I can rise really early and uh, start to work. So a lot of people start working in the morning on their emails or, I don't know, browsing news or checking how many <laughs> cases of new <laughs> coronavirus, you know. This is yes. really scary, right? And uh, it doesn't set the pace for your day in the right direction. Yes, you are responding to the crisis and you are yes. worrying right from from 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. or whenever you get up. Yes, uh, what I try to do in the morning, I do the creative stuff first, always, you know, like uh, what's creative for me? Playing the organ, right? Uh, yeah. Composing, improvising, writing a blog post or... Um, uh, recording a podcast episode. This is creative, right? Uh, um, yeah. I can do this while I'm fresh, while I'm uh, 
um, not tired, yes. So I can do this either before breakfast or after breakfast, but before lunch, definitely. And after mm -hmm. lunch, I can do the management stuff, the uploading, yes, responding to emails, what else, editing, uh, things like that. What else I can do? Uh, hunting other people who, who are guests, uh, future guests on my podcast. Basically, responding uh, to other people's problems to in the in the evening, but uh, but in the morning I, I tend to try to do the creative stuff. Not always works. Sometimes there is a, an emergency and you have to respond. But most of the time, if you if you you know, if you put your phone away a little bit from your your bed, you don't reach it right away, then you're good. You know, you're sort of focused and stable and solid in the morning, refreshed. You can go for a walk. It's still possible, right? Uh, to, going for a walk with a mask, for example. Yes. On, um, Osha and I, we go for a walk usually either in the morning or in the afternoon. But but just to reach 10,000 steps to keep us you know, yes. active. And this is a good number to reach and not necessarily very difficult. Um, so this is really, I think, valid uh, advice for, for most people who, who, can, who can walk. Not everyone is able to walk. You know, they have to find another form of exercise without moving so much maybe maybe doing some kind of yoga yes stretching in in one place you know that's possible too whatever works for people this is good but i think in the morning this is the best time for creative work i agree with you i mean i think uh i've always known that morning like first thing in the day is uh the best time to practice actually mm -hmm. I, uh, I'm not always very disciplined, um, so it's actually good to hear. Uh, it's good to hear another person say those things, you know, um, things that we probably know inherently, but the discipline, the application sometimes is a challenge. So um, it's good to hear someone else say that. Um, I mean, personally, I, I, I know mentally I'm the best for about four hours after I get going in the morning. Yes, yes. Grateful for this podcast because I had to, you know, I felt like, okay, if there's video, I should get up and take a shower. Uh -huh. which is good. Yes. It's good to have some structure, uh, accountability to another person. Um, the, uh, my, my people here are used to seeing me in all forms, so I don't have to look nice for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I think... Um, I've always known that like the, the morning is your best work time. And then, um, yeah, the thing for me, I think about editing and learning some of these new skills. Um, sometimes it's attractive to um, not procrastinate, but, you know, to, to do, to delve into those things, editing a track or doing an upload, mm -hmm. um, watching what your stats are, because those are tasks that we know when they are finished. I don't know if you find this about music, but sometimes you don't know when is this task finished or you finish it yesterday and then you come back the next day and it's in disrepair. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's a job. Sometimes it feels like our musical practice is never done. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. Plus, uh, plus uh, when you measure something, it's about uh, numbers. It's, it's, it can be measured easily, right? Yes. The stats, yes. the number of uh, downloads or uploads or or viewership, 
or uh, on SoundCloud, uh, the, the stats of track listens, right? You get to see your subscriber count. Yes, you're very happy if this count is growing, right? <laughs> yes. uh, and I can tell you, it will grow very naturally if you keep creating. This is just uh, a given given thing in any social media platform whether it's on youtube or facebook or soundcloud it's all social media it's it's just different mediums audio video or text like on twitter for example um, but um, but if you keep uploading new stuff keep creating there i think it's inevitable unless you do something really stupid you know and offend people <laughs> then then people will will try to <clears throat> stay away from us but but in most cases more creativity equals more results you know yes yes well and i, I think what we're what we're kind of talking around maybe you know in, in terms of social media is really like these are opportunities for education and i, I think that is one thing about people being at home um and uh needing you know, needing activities to do, um, you know, music definitely provides us with some, something to do and something to create and something to feel good about. So even if you're a non-musician, I mean, I think many families right now are faced with um, both entertaining themselves and also, uh, you know, education of children. I mean, suddenly parents are um, much more active and responsible or what what is what is happening in their children's lives? So I think all of these uh, media that we're talking about—I mean, we call them social media—but I mean, they're really uh, uh, moving into the realm of educational media, right? So thinking about what in a five-minute upload are you hoping to teach someone? Are you hoping to entertain? Are you hoping to make them feel good? Are you, or do you have educational goals? And so I think, I think that's a really good opportunity for us right now, just thinking about uh, what are educational needs right now. Mm -hmm. Actually, you're right when you're mentioning the word education, because with our every uh, thing we do online or offline, uh, we can do either one of those three things, educate, entertain, or inspire. Uh, mm -hmm. You can do all three of them, you can do two of them or one, just one. You can choose whatever direction you are going, either educational direction, uh, teaching some skill, right? Or, or entertaining, doing some really funny stuff, either in pictures or in memes, right? Or in videos, most of the time in videos, I think funny stuff works and memes as well. Um, inspire also it works if you you know insp you you motivate people to take action in some way or another to to help themselves themselves to reach their goals to to enable them to act um, I think we as organists can do all three things even in a short video when we were playing music for example this could be really entertaining to watch right and it could be also very educating to watch because people see what you do they maybe copy your registration your ornamentation your articulation things like that they they try to learn from you right 
and they they tend to be inspired by you also not only directly by this video but also from your general personality from your general direction that you're doing work online and they think why why krista is doing this maybe i could do this too maybe in a different field maybe different medium but but if she, she succeeds why can't i t t at least try right so this is also inspirational mm, i think i think right now is a very good time to do this and inspire people I think musicians have a lot to offer society actually in, in this realm. Like even if someone isn't interested in um, learning to play music themselves, um, you know, we really, they say that we are small muscle Olympians, right? So, and I think just the way people get inspired by sports figures, you know, trying to make themselves better and trying to um, uh, live a certain lifestyle. I mean, I think professional musicians or even hobbyist musicians. I mean, it, we do have a lifestyle, you know, so um, I mentioned the word tenacity earlier. I mean, I think that there's something really tenacious about returning to you know, having the discipline to return to some task every day, um, you know, and to invest time in a task. And if you think about learning a piece of music, um, we, uh, no one can really play a piece when we start, you know, it doesn't matter how talented you are or, you know, I mean, unless you're just a super talent and that's just so rare, right? Like we all have to like start with notes and start with some process to learn something. There's a piece that's hard for everybody, right? No matter how talented you are. So at the beginning of this process, you know, you really can't do it. But I think that, um, when, as a musician, you're just trained to turn that thought off, right? Like, you know that you can't play that measure. So, but you also know on some innate level, I will be able to. I might not be able to do it after one repetition or six or 10, but you just keep going. You know, like you sort of have this faith that eventually this, I will solve this problem. Eventually I will do enough repetitions of this that, that I will, I will get it. You know, my body will learn it. And I think that just that whole process has application to just about any endeavor that a person wants to, to make. So even if you think you don't like music, and I think there are definitely, you know, just problem solving applications and things that we do every day. Um, and also maybe telling people that it is a struggle. You know, I think like people that don't know musicians um, have this assumption that, oh, well, you're so talented, you just sit down and do this. You just show up at church and um, life of the live stream and wing it is what um, what someone said to me <laughs> recently. <laughs> it made me very angry. <laughs> I was not winging it. I had prepared many hours for what seemed like I was winging. You know, I was just improvising. I wasn't. I was very prepared. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, uh, just that whole process, people can really uh, learn from the backstory and sort of sharing that, hey, this is difficult for us too. Like it's a, it's, it's, a, I don't know about you, but sometimes it is an effort for me to turn off the feeling of, wow, I'm never going to get this. I did this, I performed it, I made mistakes again, how frustrating, but you know, you just know that, okay, well, eventually this is going to, this is going to go well. So I'll just, I, I turn that feeling off and continue on. So anyway, right. I think sharing that actually is a, a real inspiration. Yes, you're right, Krista. And sometimes it's really frustrating uh, to see how much work it, we have to put in to just to learn one piece. Even without pedals, sometimes it's difficult to get it right and play it for camera. 
you know, without stopping, without mistakes in a way that you are proud of. Um, uh, this past month, Osha and I have been recording um, complete Klavirubung by Johann Ludwig Krebs. <laughs> it's not like Johann Sebastian Bach, but uh, but it's it's still it's difficult. It's still difficult. I yeah, know. it's it doesn't yeah. have pedals. The first part of Klavirubung has thirteen chorales in three parts. Uh, so that's Osha's domain, and I took part two and three. Part two was uh, suites, I think, dance suites, like partitas. And the third part was um, sonatinas, short sonatas in three parts. Uh, so I just um, last, a few days ago, I finished recording the last sonatina. Uh, and, you know, certain movements, I can tell you, it took me like 28 times to play, uh, to record and to, to redo it because I didn't want to stop and cut and paste uh, because it was yeah. going to be live. Mm, and if you do it live, even it's a short piece, one or two pages, <laughs> and sometimes it's really tricky to get it right um, from yes. the beginning until the end. So you do it uh, one more time, one more time, one more time. And you're frustrated, you know, and you start to swear and you start to scream <laughs> at the camera. And it's you can sit there for a few hours even without actually yes. getting a good result. But but once you do get a good result, it's so much rewarding because you persevered and you didn't hit. Yes. Yes. That is that is is really good to point out because yeah I mean so many times we see the end product you know you see the end YouTube you see um, I have seen your Krebs as well and I know it's a difficult composer um, so I think it is sort of good to remind me that there's a lot sometimes behind the scenes something even that looks very simple so this this recital that I recorded last Monday um, initially when I conceived of the recital you know two years ago. I had a completely different program in mind, but you know, I felt like it would, it's an opportunity. Well, long story short, I mean, I completely changed the program because I felt like in these times um, of pandemic, I mean, New York city is having a lot of pain. There are just, you know, there were many things in current events that I, I felt like I wanted to make commentary on. Um, but yes, I mean, it took, uh, I was really proud of myself because it only took about seven hours of recording time, but it's the same as you, you know, if you're trying to do something from beginning to end to give a true representation of what the performance is, I don't really know how to edit and, and patch things in. I know that can be done, but it, I was like, oh, it would take me so long to mm -hmm. take me less time to perform than it would be to, to yeah. learn this. Probably. So it will just go in perfectly. You know, like what I turned in, I know was very imperfect um but you know I, I, often i think in live performance we also are a little more tolerant of you know the, the performer slipped a note or something mm -hmm. so um i think, I think it's kind of good to point out it is a process i'm encouraged to hear that you know your number of 28 takes because i completely can i can completely relate you know or um in my case i uh i had put up signs in the church the church is closed and but I had put up signs just in case, but um, but someone still came in, and you know it was like oh, <laughs> this was going well, and now there's like you know some random noise that shouldn't be here. <laughs> you know, so, Krista, uh, you mentioned um, 
recording and difficulty. We have this weekly Secrets of Organ Playing contest where people from all countries can submit organ videos to 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 YouTube and then to our contest and we judge each other and and select winners every week and with prizes and everything. We've been doing this, I think, for almost 80 weeks for almost you know over a year now um, that is cool <laughs> yeah uh, but but you know what's fascinating that i wrote about my 28 takes recently a blog post and um and said it was really frustrating and once one one of my students who is also weekly participating in this contest says oh it's really good to know because she said uh, I am sometimes have to do 128 takes, not 28, but 128. <laughs> and she's it's still like seven times 70. But, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 really crazy. But if you don't give up, you you do it faster after one month, and after another month, it takes less and less time. I think you get used to the camera. It doesn't scare you so much. At first, it, it does, really. At first, I really prefer to record just audio and then put a picture on top and then maybe even cut and paste things if I'm mistaken. And this is really fun and easy way to, 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 to record. No stress at all. But then thought to myself, it's not really <laughs> mastering the piece. I can cut and paste in 10, in 10 places. <laughs> but uh, then later started videotaping myself and recording live without stopping. And this has been really, really tr tricky sometimes. But now it's, it's more, it's easier after a few weeks already. So I, I think there is hope. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think these are mental skills. I mean, what I kind of liken this whole process to right now is if you listen to recordings from the you know, late uh, 90, uh, 19th century, early 20th century, you know, we, we listen to composers uh, and performers that we revere now, but you listen to those recordings, those early recordings, and they're not perfect. You know, I mean, they're not, um, I, I feel like our standards now are so high. Like everything must just be absolute perfection. And I, I think maybe there's an artificiality um, in that a little bit. Uh, uh, this is like, uh, an argument I have often with myself is like, you know, like there's like this authenticity um, mm. in presenting something as it actually was, you know, in the moment, it's, it's just a, a tiny snapshot in time. And then, and then also this need to be absolutely perfect to respect the music 100% to make every single note, make music like your teachers always tell you, you know, every measure must be, you know, um, so, you know, it's always this like battle a little mm. bit, but I think, I mean, you're right. I think like the mental process of this, it, it is, it is really, uh, you know, it, it's, it's what Olympians face, right? You know, like when, when those skaters learn those three minute routines for, for four years spending on a three minute routine and then go out and still have the nerves, you know, in front of the audience and still have to deliver a performance and they still fall. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, even at that level, like there are still, um, uh, faulty jumps and all those things. So I think, um, you know, the, the, the process of this is very uh, intellectually stimulating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really, really 
motivating to see other people submit their work and uh, week after week we get to see how they improve also you know and in at week one somebody was um, uh, uploading very short work maybe one or two minutes and now they can do you know like trio sonata in in in, in this in this week it's really fun to watch so we we are growing together and it's uh, i think it's it's our opportunity to to not be scared of challenges but embrace challenges and then uh, overcome those challenges and get closer to our goals you have set up a virtual match master class is what you described oh really like that's that's actually quite brilliant um so yeah it's literally a virtual master class because you know i mean you've been through you've been through studio class right in your in your training and and we know that that's really valuable but it's, it's actually really great to hear thank you so much krista it was such a fun time talking with you um before we end uh, uh, could you direct our listeners to some place online where they could find more about you and your work yes um uh you can find um uh to contact me professionally you can find me at www.eastwestorganist.com um, you can find more about my church work um, at www sacredarthouston.org. Our musicians also uh, keep this website, www.cocathedralmusic.com. We have a lot of our community recital series and things there. So right now it's an archive, but we will uh, be uh, considering soon about how to reach out to our community further. Um, I mentioned our YouTube channel. Um, which is Houston Co-Cathedral Music. Um, and we are at SoundCloud Co-Cathedral Music. Um, I also have a personal uh, SoundCloud at Organista um, mm -hmm. is my tag. So that's a whole bunch of places. Yeah. I, I guess my next is to, uh, during quarantine, is to streamline some of those things. <laughs> Wonderful. I will put all those links into the description of our conversation so that people could literally click and to visit those places online and say hello to you, to support you. And uh, um, I hope that uh, people will at least uh, get motivated to, to learn new skills like you've been learning with, with online streaming and uh, online learning um, and uh, broadcasting. It's really helpful for the future once we get out of this pandemic those skills will still be with us, you know, and uh, we'll be completely different people after that. I can, I can guarantee that. Of course, the world will be different afterwards also. Mm, so we have to prepare now for what's coming in the future. So thank you so much again, Krista. Uh, I wish you great luck in your creative endeavors, especially in the mornings when you have the most energy, right? And let's keep in touch. And uh, it, it's really great to connect with you. Likewise, um, please, please do take care. Thank you for all the service that you give to the organist community. It's just, it's really, it's very nice to see you and, yeah, do, do, do take care of yourself. Growth is good. This is a period of growth, so it's nice to be growing together. This podcast is supported by Total Organist, the most comprehensive organ training program online. 
It has hundreds of courses, coaching and practice materials for every area of organ playing, thousands of instructional videos and PDFs. You will not find more value anywhere else online. Total Organist helps you to master any piece, perfect your technique, develop your sight reading skills, and improvise or compose your own music and much, much more. Sign up and begin your training today at organduo.lt and click on Total Organist. And of course, you will get the first month free too. You can cancel anytime. If you like our organ music, you can also support us on Patreon and get free CDs. Find out more at patreon.com slash secrets of organ playing.